Okay, so this is part two of the lack operon mechanism. And this is, you know, I know it's your first instinct to skip this because you said, hey, I already learned it. Um, but really don't because we are coming to the main conclusions that you need. The lack operon is kind of a, a, a wide subject. And so that's why we actually, part of it is in season four and part of it is in season five. Um, but we learned, we touch on a lot of the official terminology here. Um, so you already know how it works and that uh, it is a genetic regulatory mechanism. Uh, the lack operon happens to be the first discovered genetic regulatory mechanism um, that uh, gave us insight into how genetic regulation occurs. Um, note that uh, the, the term operon refers to just a DNA unit uh, that contains, uh, and, and in, in the case of the LAC operon, uh, the operon is a DNA unit that contains a cluster of genes under the control of a single regulatory signal. This sounds a lot more complicated than it is, but you actually know everything that I just said. Right? The operon is a DNA unit, right? It's a strand of DNA from E. coli bacteria or prokaryotic organisms, right? Um, uh, it contains a cluster of genes, the three lacs that we talked about, Z, Y, and A. Uh, and finally, uh, it's under the control of a single regulatory signal, the promoter, right? So again, I know this seems complicated really because we're using a lot of, uh, you know, official terminology for this process. But now that we've discussed it all in part one, now you know exactly what's going on. I just wanted to fill in all the blanks really quickly. <clears throat> So um, these gene, genes are co-transcribed into a single mRNA strand, okay? And, and, and this can either occur together, they can either be, you know, uh, RNA polymerase can either transcribe or uh, transcribe and translate all three genes together, uh, or a trans-splicing occurs where, you know, they're all transcribed and then splicing occurs where each, um, each gene or each lac, Z, Y, and A, they're, uh, they're sectioned off essentially and then translated separately um, uh, to create uh, three individual single mRNA strands that are then joined together. Um, and so this is, this is kind of leading up to the key idea that I mentioned in the first one because it is very important that genes in the operon are either expressed all together or not at all. Okay. And, and, and I, I throw this in because I don't want you thinking that the body kind of chooses, you know, oh, we'll do, you will express Z this time or, oh, we need A this time. Right. And it seems like that would be the case because the, the body might say, hey, we need like, we need uh, glucose. You know, we have a lot of lactose and we need to break it down to glucose. So let's express only the uh, lac Z, which creates for us beta galactosidase, which allows us to metabolize lactose into its base components. Um, and, and, you know, that might be, you know, what you're thinking of, but that's why I, I defined operon in the first part of this as, um, you know, all the genes occur sequentially. They're right after each other. There's nothing in between them. And that is, again, you know, paying homage to the, to the fact that every gene is expressed together or none of them at all. Okay. Um, the lac operon, uh, moving forward, the lac operon is an example of an inducible gene set, uh, inducible gene set, I'm sorry, that is responsible for metabolizing lactose. And I already, I already told you this, that this is really the entire function of the operon mechanism is to metabolize lactose, right? Um, but what do I mean by inducible gene and, you know, inducer, right? Um, lactose is the inducer molecule, okay? Meaning its presence induces or brings about, right? Support or causes, brings about the transcription of the genes. And this is exactly what I was saying in the previous module that you can think of, you know, the, when I was talking about repressors, I told you that lactose binds to the repressor causing conformation change. And, you know, for those of you who are, who have been following this series for a while, or just, you know, biology, you know, that that sounds exactly like a ligand and receptor pair protein, right? 
receptor protein pair, right? Because the ligand bond, you know, binds to the receptor that causes a conformation change, which ultimately leads to a physiological response, right? And and so I, I wanted to throw that in so that you could kind of visualize this because I know this is a podcast and I can't draw anything for you. Uh, and really a lot of this would be a lot easier if I could draw for you, but I wanted you to be able to understand exactly how uh, the lactose in this situation is interacting with the repressor protein to cause it to leave or come back at will. Um, and so I, I described it as a ligand and receptor protein pair. Um, and that's not incorrect that, you know, cause that is exactly what's going on, but we just use a different term for it. We call it an inducer molecule. So kind of think of it as a ligand, a signaling molecule, because that's what's going on. Its presence induces the transcription of the genes. Okay. When, and, and specifically, you know exactly how that happens. You can explain it. You can explain that for me, right? I'll run through it really quickly. When lactose is present, the lact, the presence of lactose, causes a conformation change in the repressor protein, which causes it to detach, allowing polymerase to synthesize uh, the new strands uh, for transcription to occur, basically. Um, the repressor protein is constitutively expressed, okay? So the the, the um, uh, LAC operon is an inducible gene where lactose is the inducer, and then the repressor protein is constitutively expressed, meaning that it is the default. It's kind of, it's transcribed very early at the beginning. And I throw this in there because what are we doing this all for? Metabolizing lactose, yes, that's the, the overall function, but how are we doing it? We're creating proteins, right? Proteins are actually really kind of the lifeblood of everything we've been talk- talking about with relation to DNA because DNA is just the blueprints for a protein, right? That's, that's all it is, right? The, the lac operon, in this case, you know, we're talking about lacs Z, Y, and A to create proteins, right? Beta-galactosidase and lactose permease and the other stuff we haven't talked about. Enzymes, which are just proteins, right? And so I want to draw this distinction because the, re- the repressor itself is a protein. You might ask, okay, if the repressor is a protein and an RNA polymerase are proteins, when do they get transcribed? Right? When do they get formed? Right? You know, if they're involved in this process that we're synthesizing more proteins, how are they involved? And so, you know, uh, the RNA polymerase is obviously synthesized somewhere else. It's it's because it's a very versatile um, enzyme. It's it's involved in many, many, many physiological processes. Uh, but the repressor protein is constitutively expressed, meaning it is transcribed at the very, very beginning, uh, at baseline, if you will. It's kind of the default. Um, another, not really correction. Um, but, you know, distinction that I want to draw is I told you in the part one of this um, that the lactose is the uh, signaling molecule. Again, we're going to stop calling it that and start calling it an inducer, okay? Lactose is the inducer, right? Um, and we learned from the previous module that lactose um, is uh, what binds to the repressor. Uh, however, it turns out that it, the actual molecule that binds is called allolactose, okay? It's not lactose that binds. It's allolactose that binds to the repressor. Uh, and allolactose is a metabolite, meaning it's a byproduct of uh, metabolism. So as your uh, your um, your cells are undergoing respiration, they are producing all these byproducts in addition to ATP, which they're after. Um, and so one of these metabolites is allolactose, which actually binds to the repressor. So you might say, wait, why on earth did you tell me then that lactose binds to the repressor and not allolactose? And the truth is that they're not really uh, like separate molecules. Like, you know, Obviously, they're not identical, but allolactose is in, you know, you know, all allolactose is, is it is, um, it's a lactose molecule whose shape was slightly altered by galactosidase. Okay. 
in the interaction with galactosidase lactose's structure has changed a little bit we're not even really told how it's changed because the truth is it doesn't matter um really allolactose binds but that's not really that important to draw that distinction if you think of lactose or allolactose they're very 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 similar molecules okay they're not you know they, they don't undergo very different chemistry or anything like that and so that's why we you know i said in the previous module and i've written all these notes well before i started even recording this podcast um but i wanted to include that that to think of lactose because i didn't want to in- introduce too many unfamiliar terms it is completely fine to think of lactose as what's binding to the repressor protein you know if you're taking a test uh, or you know doing some advanced research you'll want to draw that distinction but allolactose is so similar in shape and chemistry to lactose that we don't really need to draw that distinction I just want to throw it in here just so if you read on if you go on like Wikipedia or something it will say allolactose not lactose and I just want you to be aware that this is not a very fundamental distinction um, so now I'm, I'm going to be closing up the module. Um, um, I want to remind you that glucose is E. coli's default. So when both uh, are equally present, approximately equally present, and when I say both, I mean glucose and lactose, when both of them are approximately uh, present in equal concentrations, the transport of glucose blocks the transport of the inducer of the lac opera. So we see that, you know, and to translate this, um, basically, um, you have lactose, which wants to bind to the repressor protein, right? We're, we're familiar with that. And again, you know, it's allolactose, if you want me to be official, it's allolactose that binds to the repressor molecule. And so the first thing that we understand from this is that the um, repressor protein alone actually doesn't do the regulating. It's the repressor protein's interaction between, uh, it's the interaction with the inducer that causes regulation okay so it's not the repressor protein alone that's doing the regulation it's the repressor protein combined with the inducer that caused the regulation to go back to that sentence that i wasn't finished translating though um so uh allolactose the inducer um wants to bind to the repressor protein but sometimes when they are in equal concentrations glucose blocks the movement of that molecule okay it blocks the inducer of the lac operon Okay, so glucose, if, if glucose and lactose are in approximately equal concentrations, then, um, then glucose will stop the inducer from interacting with the, re- with the repressor protein. And we know what happens when there's no interaction between the inducer and the repressor protein. The repressor sits on that strand, right? It just sits there and it hinders, it, it blocks, intentionally halts transcription of the Z, Y, and A genes. And this process of blocking is known as inducer exclusion. And I know it gets kind of complicated because you're like, oh my God, wait, I, I thought the lactose or the allolactose is just binding to the repressor. It's easy, right? And, and I, this is why I wanted to define, define allolactose or lactose, whatever, as the inducer, because you can kind of tell from the name, right? Inducer exclusion. What is the inducer? Allolactose or lactose, right? And inducer exclusion, the exclusion of the inducer, so allolactose is being excluded. It's, it's being obstructed by glucose. So we see that, you know, there's, this is, we're actually forming a large pathway, right? Because if we start from the bottom up, we say we have the lac operon and the repressor control, you know, regulates that, right? But then, we, but then we learned a little bit more and we said, wait, no, but actually allolactase or allolactose, I'm sorry, allolactose regulates the, the action of the repressor protein. And then we learned a little bit more and we said, hey, actually sometimes glucose regulates the, exp- regulates the action of la- allolactose, which regulates the action of the repressor, which regulates the action of the lac opera. I'll say that one more time. I know it's confusing, but if you hear me say it again, I really think it'll help. So we have, in order from the beginning, we have glucose, which 
regulates the actions of allolactose, the inducer. And allolactose, the inducer, regulates the action of the repressor protein. And the repressor protein at the operator site regulates the action or the mechanism of the lac operon, the lac operon mechanism. And so it's really kind of a long, you know, seemingly complex pathway. But if you remember those four actors, it really shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, and this and this and so this the first thing that I mentioned, glucose blocking allolactose is known as inducer exclusion. Uh, and so the two main ideas that I want you to take away from the lac operon model is number one, it is the interaction. This I've already said this before, but I want to say it again just to hit it home, that the interaction between the inducer and the repressor molecules are what regulate gene expression, not just the repressor. And again, what we said in the first module wasn't wrong, part one of this episode. Uh, it wasn't incorrect. It's just kind of we're refining that idea that it's not the repressor alone. It's the repressor uh, inducer complex, if you will, their interaction. That's number one. Number two is that the cell expends energy to make enzymes only when necessary. And again, this is kind of going back to what I said um, about how the um, you know, when the, when the lac operon mechanism is in standstill, standby mode, right? In other words, when the repressor is blocking the RNA polymerase, it's conserving energy, right? And in other, and so when the repressor leaves, that's the only time the cell is using up energy is to, to allow the RNA polymerase to do transcription. It's only when it needs to, you know, it, you know, it can, you know, if this wasn't the case, we wouldn't need a, a repressor at all. RNA polymerase would just do it and just use up all the energy we had. But we include this fundamental key component of this entire system, the repressor protein, to allow us to do it only when we need to. And this allows us to save energy.